Hello, and welcome to the Lakeshore Records podcast on Cue With. I'm your host, Alon Levitin, and for today's episode, I had the enormous pleasure of speaking with award-winning composer extraordinaire, Shonda Dancy. Shonda's absolutely brilliant music for Devotion is my personal favorite film score of the year, and I feel very fortunate she was so gracious with her knowledge. I learned so much from Shonda in such a short amount of time, this conversation felt like a masterclass. In our wide-ranging discussion, we touched upon the importance of priorities, persistence, and patience, the concept of melodic destiny and Bach chorale-style writing, how composers use sound waves to create empathy, the brilliance of Vivaldi, Yoko Kano, Shostakovich, John Williams, and the Final Fantasy scores, how Shonda captured the sound of positive masculinity and the notion of devotion itself, what makes a good melody, the practicalities of living a well-rounded life, how to seamlessly marry classical orchestration and big sound synths, the power of counter melody, and so much more. Shonda Dancy's phenomenal score for Devotion is out now worldwide via Lakeshore Records. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shonda as much as I did. Welcome, Shonda. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be speaking with you. I've just recently seen Devotion and you absolutely crushed it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> really? And and we and we will get to that. But first of all, how are you? I am very good. I am trying to stay dry because it's yeah. raining cats and dogs everywhere. <laughs> very how excited. How's it been ramping up to the film release? Does that bring with it any sort of jitters or anxiety? Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, for you know, I'm a composer, which essentially means introvert who likes to stay in their dark composing cave, like cut off from the outside world. <laughs> you know, there's like the media run and then like there's red carpet events and then there's Q and A's. And I'm like, oh man, I got to go out and talk to people now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm cool with it, but it's like, yeah, it's very different from the the usual composer life. We back up a little bit. I was just really floored by this. And I sort of want to reverse engineer how you Mm. did this all the way back, if we can. Mm. What is your background? What got music into you? Well, grandma got music into me. So my mother's mother was a classical musician. She was a pianist, singer, and um, she did some composing as well. Um, And so was one of my uh, mom's sisters too. So it really is like, you know, a family thing. Um, I started piano when I was sometime in preschool, I guess. Um, Violin uh, when I was around seven or eight. Um, And then I started composing in middle school around like 12, Um, you know, for my school orchestra because captive, you know, (laughs) captive experimental (laughs) people. But um, so yeah, and I've just been composing ever since. Like, you know, I, I, at some point in my youth, I was like, oh, I want to like, you know, be a composer like Mendelssohn and like Dvorak and like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then it dawned on me like, wait a minute, I could do film scoring like John Williams because, you know, I love John Williams and E.T. and all that stuff like that is that that might be a job. So, you know, um, in high school, I kind of investigated that and then in undergrad um, decided to try to go for film scoring. Um, so I got a, a degree in theory composition um, at Houston Baptist University, this tiny little school that was so amazing because when you're in a tiny school like that, they're really attentive. Got my degree from, um, from there, uh, also in violin performance. I'm a violinist uh, as well, but I, I mentioned that. Came out to LA, did the USC film scoring program and you know the P. Carpenter Film Scoring Fellowship and intern with Mike Post. He gave me amazing, encouraging words like, you can do this, and it stuck with me, so. <laughs> I'm not aware of many 13-year-olds who were composing. So, <laughs> well, like, usually, usually there's don't like- worry, a, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> when I speak to composers, what I generally hear is like, I had a band, or and I was still learning, and I might write some things on the piano, but you actually engaged with the group around you yes. to compose yeah. for them at a yes. very early age. So yes. I'm, I'm really curious, what was that experience like? Is there anything that you, because there's a, there's ideas in your head and then w- when you actually meet the musicians that are meant to execute them. Yeah, well, it's different when it's your friends in your orchestra, you know? So it's not like you're 
it's not a professional situation at all. Like, you know, it really is part of like childhood growing up and experimenting. And so, um, you know, I was obsessed with Vivaldi. (laughs) And so I did a concerto in A minor, like my version, that was not good. But, (laughs) but, you know, I, I played the solo part. And then I, you know, I, it was four string orchestra and just wrote the parts out for, you know, my orchestra classmates. And my teacher conducted it. And, you know, voila. Yeah, I don't even, yeah, I don't even think I did it right. I don't think things were like in score order or anything like that. You know, it was literally like, you know, (laughs) no, no training. (laughs) There's something very audacious about it that I love. Like, like, it's just like so cool to be into that at that age. Like you don't really Mm -hmm. hear a lot of, I mean, obviously classical music is a big Mm -hmm. deal, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like when you're actually creating something, your teacher's backing it, there's something yeah. really cool. Yeah. You mentioned Vivaldi. Vivaldi. I actually just recently discovered, I'm embarrassed to say that, he, that he's got some really amazing cello pieces yes. that yes. I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Like, oh, it's I've all about re- the violin pieces. So <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I've been listening to all this pop. I need to listen to these cuts. Pretty much. <laughs> so the idea of being a composer just came naturally to you because it was yes. in your family. Yes. It wasn't something foreign, you know, um, and it was very much supported. My parents supported me, my grandparents on both sides of the family. Like my my dad's mother bought me my first violin. You know, my 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 mom's mom, of, of course, you know, the classical musician who taught me piano, like, you know, paid for my violin lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, and really it was very supportive. All of my cousins, they were like, oh, Shonda, the violinist, like, you know, we would have family talent shows and like, you know, some cousins played viola, some cousins played like, you know, piano and like, you know, we just supported each other in that way. Not just a personal family and community, the idea of this being your career was supported from the beginning. Totally. I may have gotten... I I have I did get a little bit of like hmm is this gonna work from two people and it was one uncle <laughs> one mm-hmm. of, you know one of, one of my mom's brothers um who's a scientist well science and the arts are prevalent in my family so he was one of the scientists and he was like you know I thought I thought you were gonna go into physics you know what are you like you want to be the next Beethoven like I, I don't get it you know and I was just like hey I'm just you know figuring it out. So <laughs> he understands I, now what I do, but <laughs> yeah, of course. Fast forwarding, you, I think you left off at uh, maybe somewhere around USC film scoring program. What, if anything comes to mind that you may have like a little nugget or tidbit or general um, approach uh, or philosophy to composition did you, comes to mind from that? Um, It wasn't so much composition because when you do the SC film scoring program, you're expected to already be a composer and to already have Mm. a certain amount of training already kind of have an eye for picture, you Mm -hmm. know? So really the most valuable thing from the USC experience were two things, you know, the music business side of things like, you know, getting introduced to BMI and under like learning about royalties and cue sheets and things like that. Um, And the other is building my community, starting from day three of school. And my community wasn't just my classmates, my fellow composers, they were directors from across the sidewalk. (laughs) I've made friends with, you know, some USC filmmakers that, you know, we're still friends to this very day and work on their projects. What was it like for you to transition from composing, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, to Mm -hmm. scoring a picture? it just, it didn't feel different. It felt like just the natural thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, The Dean of the School of Music was also my composition professor. And so when I expressed to her that I wanted to do film scoring, um, she was like, okay, cool. Let's create a film scoring course for you, for your senior thesis. And we created that like specifically for me where I directed a film, a short film, and then I scored it and showed it for the school. So that, so film scoring was just integrated into my formal education. Mm. So it, it, so by the time I came out to LA to really pursue it, it was, you know, I had already gotten my feet wet, like back in Houston, I'm from Houston, Texas. Um, you know, just doing little small TV, like commercial type, um, regional commercial or city commercials um, and student films in Houston. So it 
like I said, it just felt like a natural progression of my development, you know, as a composer. You don't have a different uh, sort of hat that you put on when you're scoring to picture versus the world is your oyster and you can just compose whatever you want. I mean, I feel like I, I can compose whatever I want in film scoring. I, I feel like I've been lucky enough that most projects that I work on, I'm doing stuff like Dmitry Shostakovich or stuff like Bella Bartok or stuff mm -hmm. like Antonio you know, Vivaldi. Like it has not, it doesn't feel like two different worlds. Like I'm still using the same, I'm still using the orchestra and I'm still orchestrating and like, you know, I think I've just been maybe lucky in that regard. And I, and I do also do concert works, kind of sound like the film scores, you know, it, it's just film composing is just another avenue to express myself, you know, mm. um, using the same tools that I've mm. always used. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like art, art is art regardless exactly. of it, where it, where it lives or how exactly. It yeah. Yeah. And that technique is technique, you know? Um, so it's, it just kind of, it's, it all comes from the same place. And this movie in particular, which I just recently was fortunate enough to see, mm. um, it's, it's a really, it touches upon so much and it's so mm. grand. Um, mm. it's so visually stunning and it really, there's, it's a, it's a tearjerker in some regards um, and, you know, no spoilers. Um, yeah. How, what was your entree into this project? Oh, wow. So my agent, um, Kevin Korn, is um, friends with the producers at Black Label Media. Um, mm -hmm. He worked with them um, with the late, great Johan Johansson um, on Sicario. So he knew them from those days. Um, and they were looking for a composer and, you know, uh, in particular, someone a little different, you know, is what was what they were wanting. And so, um, you know, Kevin was like, hey, why don't you, you know, throw, throw your name in the hat um, and I'll let them know you can do this kind of thing. So um, I just essentially like sent over a, a demo of like some, you know, uh, film scores of like other independent films that I worked on. Um, including some works from um, a TV show that I had just finished. Um, actually, no, I was still working on it at the time for uh, The Defeated, you know, sent some of that music over as well and got a meeting with the director, JD. Yeah, we met on Zoom. This was like the height of the pandemic and totally like literally cried together on Zoom because <laughs> like I read the script and it was, it touched me so much that I just couldn't, on a very, very deep level, I can identify with, you know, um, Jesse's wife in particular, uh, Daisy. Yeah, yeah. And we just hit it off and I was hired. So, and and this was around October of 2020. Um, and yeah, that's when the journey began. So and, so, and that was based on a script. Based on script. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. you're, what, what resonated deeply with you was was Jesse's wife in particular. Yeah, and like the idea of like eternal love. I, I kind of went through a bit of a tragedy in 2019 and I lost my husband. So it was, you know, reading reading this script and reading about um, Jesse Brown's wife. It, you know, there was, there was a, I felt a connection, like, you know, and I, 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 I wanted to, to really honor these real life people. I, I understood on a certain level, you know, what they went through. Like I said, on a, at a certain level, um, definitely not the grand scope of <laughs> everything that they've experienced, but um, so yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, maybe that's what really resonated with JD, um, the director, just, you know, truly empathizing, you know, with, with, with these people. Um, and that's where the score came from, empathy and love. Interesting. So. That's, that's really interesting to hear on so many levels. And I, but I'm obviously, I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> I just am, was so, I cannot overstate how impressed I was. Oh, thank you. With your score. I was thank just you. like, 
floored. I really was floored. Like this oh. to me is the best, the best score of the year, hands down. Oh but my gosh. You're so sweet. Thank you. I, I really, I really believe that. And I mean, yeah, not to, it's not a competition, but you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I appreciate it. Thank you. But I was like, who are you? I was like, who is this <laughs> person who, who, anything that Hans Zimmer or anybody else's, you know, the establishment is scoring, I want to hear your score to that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> brought it you brought it so hard right from the very get-go the top of the film oh, no you're in for a ride and the in particular the lighthouse mm -hmm. um, that scene yeah. which is again visually stunning and um the actors are incredible and mm -hmm. the cinematography and um the aerial work is is unbelievable but the score in particular oh, just you. elevates you know your your heart or my mm. heart at least. Mm. and it, it it is so i was trying to think of what it was you know you mentioned a lot of classical composers yeah yeah there's something that felt very classical about yeah. it in, yeah. a, in, a, in a traditional sense but also very now yes I didn't want to like in the moment dissect it in my brain. <laughs> you know, I just want to be a viewer. Yeah. What was your approach? What were your early conversations like with JD or what were your first ideas? What was your general approach? Oh man. So, you know, JD told me that he did not want a typical war hero score. He didn't mm -hmm. want saving private Brian or anything in mm -hmm. that vein. Um, but he did want a big sweeping grand orchestra. Mm -hmm. And it was important to incorporate um, modern elements, you know, like synthesizers, electric guitars, things like that. Um, but in a perfect marriage, not like two separate elements. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started writing to the script, the scene where, where Tom pr purposely crashes his plane. That theme was the first theme written. Mm -hmm. um, we call that the devotion theme. Um, um, the the cue the cue is called Measure of a Man. And um, so, yeah, um, you know, it was just starting from there, and then just really experimenting. The Measure of a Man. Yes. That I would love for you to tell me about scoring that scene. Yeah. So, one of the big important things that we wanted to portray in the film was masculinity positive masculinity what is it what it what does it mean to be um a dependable man <laughs> and that's what devotion is you know um devotion to family devotion to your friends devotion to your country or whatever you know um is most important in your life just a lifetime of standing up and being counted on so what does that sound like you know in music you know when i think of like you know devotion and and dependability i don't know for some reason i think of like church <laughs> or or like you know something like that so i i it made me think of a hymn you know and it's kind of like a hymn to you know what it means to be a man you know me the measure of a man a really important concept that we wanted to get across in the film uh, and when i say we like me and jd um you know is this idea of uh positive masculinity um, the measure of a man. What does it mean to be um, a man who can be depended upon? A, you know, a lifetime of standing up and being counted counted on. Um, and so, you know, in this scene, uh, we see the ultimate measure of a man: someone who, you know, willing to sacrifice himself um, for his friends, for the people he loves. Um, and so, you know. What, what does that sound like musically? Timeless dependa uh, dependability or whatever. I think of, I don't know, like church or like, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's like um, a timeless hymn um, to, to positive masculinity. Um, and, and so Measure a Man is, you know, da, 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 da,
gives you this kind of like, you want to puff up your chest a little like, yeah, I'm going to like be there for my, you know, for my homies, for my, <laughs> for my family, for my, you know, for my country, you know, because that's what these, you know, young men did. Inspiring. There's like, yeah, I think I think that the hymns it's sacred, right? Yeah. As is the concept of devotion, and Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a group effort, right? Like, there's while it is a man, they're a team, and and when you hear a choir, for example, in a hymn, Mm -hmm. um, everyone's singing in unison, working in unison towards one specific goal. Exactly. Um, and that's exactly what was going on in the film. Yeah, yeah. I felt that. I really, mm-hmm. really felt that. I got out of the screening theater and I was walking my car and I was like, I have so much energy. Like, what do I do with all this energy? Because <laughs> you took me through that full journey and it really does make you look at your own life in a certain way. And I really wanted to return to the music. Yeah, Just oh my God. Like in a moment of uh, my own personal, um, I don't know, feeling my 100 mm-hmm. percent like that's the type of song i want to hear mm-hmm. i want to have that the orchestra is also in working together in tandem mm-hmm. and you created this piece and these pieces that i can then borrow to like charge up my own battery yeah man that you know that was that's what we wanted you know that's, really well, <laughs> you, you nailed it it's on it's on some superhero vibes i mean not <laughs> Not the not the corny tropes of certain yeah, yeah. Know, what the 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 proto man or the 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 exactly. meta human, what would yes. that be? Yeah. Um, and I really, I really do appreciate that you you did that. I was I wanted to ask you about accepting what we can accept. There are vocalists in yes. there too, right? Yes. What are are they is there words? Are there yes. like so words? that's taken from a traditional requiem mass. It's actually, you know, um give them rest or eternal rest um and then uh me um save me so it's essentially you know it's it is the it's a requiem for jesse mm. mm-hmm. so but in in the form of a one and a half minute cue <laughs> you know it's you gotta very powerful <laughs> it's very powerful and i think those vocals really are are very beautiful and they just you know again tap into this level of emotion that um is really impressive i really i think you really nailed it um and then you have a swing piece yeah yeah (laughs) what what were the conversations like about that so you know we wanted a a big band um sound and it needed to sound from that era and so you know i was thinking okay so who who would have been a hit you know Mm. in 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 france in 1950 Mm-hmm. you know and so we know jazz was huge so who was huge at around the time because you know this is before like you know internet you know a, a hit isn't like instant across the world like at the same time so so who may have been a hit in the states and then it gets to france and it's blowing up around 1950 and it was uh dizzy gillespie um there's this song um Ulya cool you know which was like this huge hit you know and that was the inspiration for what might be playing <laughs> in, in the swinging ca- casino in Cannes. Um, and yeah, so just, you know, wrote a, wrote a big band piece. Like, um, so I have a little bit of jazz background too from USC because um, mm. the Thelonious Monk Institute is, is there. So, you know, I had a little bit of like, you know, training there or learning the ropes there. It's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great piece. And it's, it's, it's a nice uh, addition to the, to the soundtrack. It makes for a nice little, um, uh, like an interlude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you make it a full meal because it specializes yeah. <laughs> you in the time also. Yeah. You know, there's also these beautiful quieter piano based themes. How, how did that come about? 
Yeah. The main characters all have their own theme. Jesse has, you know, what's the hero's theme. Um, you can hear that in the opening cue, The Forgotten War. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's um, his wife, Daisy, Daisy's theme, you know. Um, so really when we have an interplay between Jesse and Daisy, you'll hear a lot of that really intimate um, piano work in which their themes are playing together. Mm -hmm. uh, kind, of as, kind of as counterpoint, um, as if it's a, an opera aria. Um, and so, you know, essentially those themes were written um, for JD, like just in piano, um, just so he can hear the themes by themselves. Um, and then, you know, throughout the movie, those themes, they go through a journey, you know, um, and are used differently. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, those in intimate piano sounds, it's like, that's the most, you know, precious, small, quiet moments with Jesse and Daisy, you know, their, their form of devotion, which is mm -hmm. very soft and loving. So, mm -hmm. yeah. How you you touched a little bit on this earlier, but I'd like to maybe dive in a little deeper. How did you marry the synths and the more modern element mm -hmm. with such a? I mean, is classical the right word? A classical? It's all, yeah. It's like you're order? using synthesizers like a classical instrument. Yeah, that was kind of what. Yeah, that's what we were going for. Really, it's choosing the right sounds also. Um, and modifying them, you know, so that it 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 fits well with like a, a grand piano, for example. Or I I use like a heavy bass synth to support the brass. So mm -hmm. you know, so it it just makes the brass section sound that much bigger, that much mm -hmm. fatter. Techniques like that of just like choosing a sound that marries with the classical instruments, um, so it almost sounds like an augmented you know, traditional are you instrument. Saying, are you, oh, okay, that's what I was getting at. So you're saying that the, the synth sounds that you chose sound, let's say there's a spectrum of horns, right? And what mm -hmm. horns they sound like, mm -hmm. sound similar, or they could be an extension of that spectrum. Exactly, as, as it, almost as, as it, if it was like electric tuba was like in here. Totally. <laughs> you know? okay, I, get it. I get it. Well, but there is, there is, I forgive me, I don't remember the name of the cue, but there's one where it's like, it's a very long cue. Like a like action cue, sorty? <laughs> uh, could be, could be. And there's like this rumbling sound in the background. Do you know what? Yeah, like about? a doom, doom, doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's more on the modern side of, of, the, of the spectrum mm -hmm. for, the, for the synth, you know? And that I was influenced by, there's, you know, um, EDM music, like, so I used to listen to like, you know, 90s techno and stuff like that. And I was totally into Gabber. But anyway, so like that hard, you know, so that to me is like a good sound to marry with an orchestra mm -hmm. that's doing like these, you know, straight eighth, eighth and 16th note, um, intricate kind of like hemiola patterns and things like that um, to give like this battle sequence that heart pounding kind of thump with it without getting in the way of all the battle sounds and things like that yeah no it's like it's as if you chose your 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 it's just taste right in the end of the day we're just talking about taste but it's like as if the choices you made the classical composers that you've referenced would have mm -hmm. been so lucky to have had this sound palette and i believe they would have applied they probably it. would have used it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. such a such a strength to this because a lot of scores that I, at least to my ear, are mm -hmm. sort of like this uh, a hybrid. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's an it's an electro orchestral score. So it's mm -hmm. like you wouldn't necessarily uh, contextualize it as an orchestra, like in mm -hmm. with electronic elements. You would say it's there's electric elements and there's uh, the orchestral elements, and they they work well together. Mm -hmm. Um, but the intention behind it, I don't think is often exactly what you've articulated. Yeah, yeah. I like to think of it as if this cue was performed live, those synths would be performed live. Someone would be there and it would be part of the score. That was the aesthetic. And I noticed that it's, it's also a pretty, in certain, some of the cues are pretty dense in terms of the notes. Yeah, yeah. Our Stacked chords. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's these like really cool arpeggios and it's moving around a lot and ostinato patterns and 
I, I was impressed that they weren't less because I feel like more oftentimes the music can't be too quote unquote busy, but this was mm-hmm. in no way busy mm-hmm. in my mind. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm, you. I'm curious if that was anything that you thought about. Well, I like to think of like any cue or, or any piece in like, you know, essentially three layers. You have the melody, counter melody, and bass, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually four layers, because then you have like the inner inner harmonies. Um, so as long as those elements are like in lockstep, mm-hmm. it shouldn't feel too busy. It, it kind of, it, it'll, like, I can understand like, you know, if, if you've got like several melodies going on at the same time, or like, you know, you've got several different rhythms going on at the same time. For example, in, in Sortie, you know, the key we were just talking about, those synths, and the basses and the celli are essentially in lockstep doing the same kind of rhythm together. So you have like this rock solid foundation mm-hmm. um, of that's rhythmic. On top of that, you have like the, um, the violas and the second violins are holding constant eighth notes with accents on different beats, depending on what's happening in the cello and bass. So even they're like in lockstep together. <laughs> and then on top of it, you have a melody. So, and that's typically in like brass. When you think about it, it's not that many elements. Sure, it's a lot of instruments and mm-hmm. like everybody's got different lines, but what they're doing is in the same rhythm together. Mm-hmm. And there's only flourishes on top. So. And so since now, I appreciate it. Thank you for educating me. Since now you're educating oh. me. <laughs> when you say the inner harmony is mm-hmm. a separate element, do you just mean that that reveals itself or are you actually working on the inner because you know if you have a melody and you have a counter melody and you have the bass there's an intrinsic inner harmony right or yes the inner harmony actually for me personally comes it reveals itself like what you said so you have a melody and you have bass so like when i write and i'm trying to write very quickly i'll do melody and bass first and Mm. then i'll go through and i'll fill in the inner harmony based on how i want it how I want the the melody to be affected, mm. essentially, because the melody can take on a different mood depending on the inner harmony. Borrow your brain. <laughs> I want to. I I like your tricks. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. So we've talked about a few um, composers. Who are your heroes? Who are you? Oh, who are man. your heavy hitters? Dmitry Shostakovich. <laughs> <laughs> Bella Bartok, <laughs> um, um, Igor Stravinsky, um, and of course, Antonin Dvorak, and uh, Arvo Pert, um, mm. Yoko Kanno, Joe Hisaishi. <laughs> um, those are my big loves. Yeah. So. And, and, and what about um, actual, uh, let's say, films or TV shows or could be video games, whatever that influence you. You mentioned ET. Yeah, yeah, music from Final Fantasy uh, video games, particularly particularly scores by uh, Nobuo Uematsu, like so Final Fantasy seven, six, and eight. Um, yeah, I'm 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 a total nerd. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Please bring um, it. Film scores that I love so much. John Barry. Dances with Wolves. I l- and, and out of Africa. I love John Barry. Um, um, and um, Gabriel Yared. Um, really love the French sound, you know, um, in both classical and film scoring. Um, yeah, so I, I would say those were big, inf- big influences in life. <laughs> yeah, you're a composer. How do you view, what does that mean? I know that that's a sort of a big question, oh, but like, what is a composer? What is, what is your job? What is it that you're trying to accomplish as an artist? I can only speak from my own life experience and um, my own process. It's using sound waves and organizing them in such that I create a feeling of empathy in the listener. I don't necessarily think of it like I'm going to make sad music to make someone sad or happy music to make someone happy. I'm creating a spectrum of emotions to make this audience um, identify with a character on screen. 
or identify with a concept if it's a concert work. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel limited in thinking that I only need to write for certain types of instruments or certain types of sounds. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I like, for example, in Devotion, there's, I actually use some production sound um, that, that the sound team like actually recorded some of the Corsairs because they use some real Corsairs. Um, and they gave me a folder of all those sounds and I like pick and chose like some cool sounds and like stuck them through Fal Falcon in Pro Tools and like created a synth out of that. So really it's like using any sound wave, organizing it in such a way that it's music, you know, and it affects you, so. Using sound to elicit emotions and or concepts. Exactly. How should I say that? I, let me think about how, <laughs> I wanna phrase this properly. <laughs> why? Why Why is that something that moves you, um, that you put all this energy into? I think it just has to be in you. Mm. Mm -hmm. So remember, let's going all the way back to when I was creating, you know, pieces for my middle school orchestra. Mm -hmm. It clearly wasn't for a career. It yeah. clearly wasn't like there wasn't some big grand reason. I mean, 12 year olds definitely don't have any big grand reasons. They're just, just sure. doing, I was literally just doing because it was fun, yeah. <laughs> literally it, you know? And so I feel like a composer is just naturally someone who, that's just what you do. It just came out naturally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You didn't like decide, I'm going to follow this career. So let me learn all about it and start doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I was already composing, so. Because to me, what's cool about it, what composers do is, and particularly what you're zeroing in on, is they're amplifying something that we all feel, yeah. right? And I think yeah. there's great value to that on the individual level as the composer, right? Sharing your emotions, yeah. right? This is your version and your capturing of the idea of devotion. I think that's a really powerful and uh could be potentially undervalued we don't realize personally just in our day-to-day -day bandwidth challenged you know yada yada mm -hmm. we don't realize in my opinion how important it is to have things maybe personified is not the right, right word but manifested outside of ourselves right yes. so if i can have the concept of devotion and or manhood or whatever all the other things that we talked about literally crystallized via sound you know, in a, in a, in something that I can bring with me mm -hmm. into different environments, I think that creates such a ripple effect mm -hmm. that we don't, we just take for granted. We're just like, exactly. this is my favorite song. I like it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, music is very fundamentally a human communal thing. Mm -hmm. It's part of communication. Mm -hmm. You know, we're speaking words to each other. We can also speak music to each other. Sure. Sure. So it is literally one way we communicate. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and like every culture does it, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yes. Like, every human. Yeah. That's every, just what we do. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's just like making noise. It's like, yeah. it's yeah. really interesting it that like we're, and we're, we're addicted to it. And there's entire yeah. industries, like yeah. multiple industries. It's really yeah. <laughs> So let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. um, you have a uh, a dream project or dream collaborations. Oh man, I feel like I've already like I'm already living that. But um, okay, if if we're talking about something like that will probably never happen, but <laughs> I would love it. You know, to work on a video game by Square Enix. You know, to do to do a big Final Fantasy style video game score would be really awesome <laughs> we need to call you i think any i think whatever you answer to this question someone needs to make that call because <laughs> i really again i was so impressed by what you did with devotion i think the world is your oyster oh man thank um, you <laughs> cool yeah i would and i would love to hear that kind of a mean question it's just a thought, <laughs> it's just a thought experiment um you can answer it however you want Mm -hmm. um, I'm not religious particularly, but it's mm -hmm. just, not you get in front of God mm -hmm. in heaven 
or mm -hmm. purgatory or wherever you want to be. Um, <laughs> and you are asked to play or perform, give a musical offering. Mm. What, what do you do? Give a musical offering? I mean, I feel like the very, very first thing I would do is just sing something. <laughs> Nice. Do you know, does something come to mind that what like that you would sing? You know, I have my, I mean, my first initial gut is just to improv something, <laughs> you know, like, like, like as if it's something from my soul, God or Satan, you know, hopefully they'll <laughs> appreciate <laughs> my little improv, vocal improv that I would do for them. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would. That's my answer too. That's what yeah. I would do whatever whatever i feel in that moment yeah you're gonna get moment. it that's the offering yeah <laughs> yeah do you have any particularly uh practical advice for upcoming artists composers musicians mm -hmm. yes and i think it's the best advice for like any human mm -hmm. take care of yourself take care of your body take care of your mind drink a lot of water eat a lot of fiber <laughs> get sleep, you know, spend time with your friends, spend time with your family, live a well-rounded life because you're an artist, you know, and, you know, film composing career or any composing career, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, you know, it's not a sprint. I, that's definitely been advice that has been told to me many times by many people. Um, so burnout is real. Don't burn yourself out trying to like, compose for 36 hours a day you know <laughs> yeah. I mean like if you if you want if you want to if you want longevity a life that you're satisfied with you you gotta you gotta live a well-rounded life your your yeah. words to God <laughs> in, in devotion obviously the characters come up against a lot of challenges what in in your experience have been the biggest challenges of getting to where you are wow um patience mm. you know and just not when I first graduated from SC like you know I had the impression that like five years I'm gonna like you know pay off all my student loans and like I'm gonna be working full-time and working on these type of films and blah 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 um and for me personally it took way more than five years <laughs> I mean I'm entering like my 19th year as a professional um, film composer, most of that was like just pounding the pavement in, you know, on independent films, building a community, my own community. At times it felt like, I felt like giving up because I didn't think I would be able to even get where I am now. Like where I am now, even like five years ago, <laughs> I, I, I would have like looked at myself and gone like, oh my gosh, that's like crazy, awesome, you know? Um, but yeah, it took just a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So patience with yourself, basically. Yeah. And not giving, you know, and just not giving up, you know, like, and, and keeping my priorities straight, which was essentially like, Hey, you know, maybe I won't have like this big A-list, you know, film, but I will always have like great projects and great music that I made for those projects. So mm -hmm. I've, I, I have not wasted my time, <laughs> you know? Um, so just be happy and continue, you know, continue doing what you're doing. They're going to keep coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you said, you said earlier something that is really going to stick with me. This is, this is going to be my last question for you um, about how you actually compose like the, the mechanics of, you know, melody, the yes. counter melody, et cetera. Yeah. Can you give me one more? So another another tidbit like that, some sort of principle or general mm -hmm. approach that you, mm -hmm. that you find that you're sort of walking through maybe in your head, some sort of inner dialogue or just general tip to composition. Yeah. So one technique that I that I use and I feel has served me well in especially really emotional moments, it's, you know, Bach chorale writing. Um, so it's essentially, um, you know, you've got like species one and two counterpoint, et cetera, things like that. But this is like, you know, just essentially four part writing um, 
box style. So each voice has its own melody, uh, its own destiny, and each voice interlocks with the other. But there are there are essentially four separate melodies. But this only really works in like slow passages. <laughs> you know, mm. you don't want to do this for like <laughs> like okay. action or something like that. It'll get maybe it'll get too cha chaotic. But I don't know. I haven't tried that. But um, mainly like um, you know, if you want to evoke this dense palette as if you're like oil painting the technique of oil oil painting and like you know stacking um those colors mm -hmm. upon each other and creating a texture i like to do that um sonically bach chorale style style writing can be used you know you can express yourself in a jazz way like you know that's where the whole stacked chords kind of thing comes from mm -hmm. um and or you can do it you know more traditional European classical style or, you know, or, or any, whatever, you know, um, classical influence you have that can be, you know, translated in this four-part choral writing, essentially. Okay. Well, I totally lied. I said that was the last question, but now you, now you gave me some, another nugget. So, so you use the word destiny. That's super cool. You said <laughs> each melody has its own destiny. Yeah. I love that. Can you expand <laughs> upon that? I mean, it's just the path of a, of a melody. Each melody has like kind of a journey, step motion and then leap motion, you know? Sure. So, so your, you know, your melody, it goes through leaps and steps. It goes mm -hmm. to a destination and then it comes back to where it started expressing I that. It's like, that. it's that, destiny. Yeah, no, I love that. Cause I mean, it is actually kind of true, right? You are like, yeah. you are the God who- Yeah, and <laughs> I wrote the path that it goes on. Totally. <laughs> Um, and, and this is actually my last question. This is something that I ask again, a lot of, I, I ask a lot of composers this and I really try and tease it out. It seems to me, and I'm correct me. I'm curious your opinion about it is a good melody or what one interprets as a good melody, just a question of personal taste. It might be. However, with that said, a lot of people have a tendency to gravitate to a certain type of melody. Break it down. What's that? Um, <laughs> it seems to be like a melody that people can easily sing. Mm -hmm. You know, like if it sticks in your head and you can hum it in the car, like whether whether you're an opera singer or just, you know, not, <laughs> but you can still sing it for some reason that sticks with people sooner than a little bit more complicated melody, like 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 in classical music you know, melodies have a tendency to be a little bit more complicated um, and it's harder to sing. So maybe that's why a lot of people don't, <laughs> you know, some, some people are kind of like not into like classical music. Cause that makes a lot of sense. Right. And then it would be mm -hmm. like probably within one octave. Exactly. Yeah. Like a little bit, like not too busy yeah. and accessible. Right. Yeah, exactly. But then, but then the first thing that came to mind was all these Chopin melodies that I liked that like, right? I, I can't yeah. sing that shit. Right? Exactly. Of those melodies. So exactly. Like, What's going on there? Exactly. But then again, you know, there's plenty of people who would rather listen to, you know, um, an an AVC like melody, simple melody, as opposed to Chopin. So, yeah. like, if we're talking about like the easiest path to mm -hmm. getting someone to remember and think of and feel, then like, I feel, I personally feel like that's the easiest path, like a singable melody. Yeah. And is a single, I guess then my, my actual last question, I promise <laughs> is, is, is a singable quote unquote accessible melody. We'll just use that term for now. Is that the best kind of melody? Oh, I, there's no best. I okay. don't think of it as there's best. It is, it is, it is a good tool to achieve what you need quickly and this really <laughs> like, yeah, like to elicit an emotion right because we were talking yeah. about sound waves exactly sound yes waves eliciting something specific right exactly yeah so so you so maybe maybe i'm just positing here you want that to be as accessible as possible exactly elicit the emotion across the widest breadth of humans yes yes because you know humans also include our little ones you know they're not necessarily all listening to Chopin, but they can remember melodies and sing things. Good point. Very yeah. good point. Yeah. I love it. I could talk to you forever. Ah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time. And yeah. I'm going to be blasting that score. Like ah. <laughs> that's like on the permanent playlist. 
like, oh, man. like six years from now, I'm still playing, <laughs> playing those songs. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.